the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Happy Tuesday. On today's show, we're going to talk Aaron Rodgers. We're going to talk Bernie Sanders. And Colin Wilkins is going to join us in studio. You are listening to The Common Good. everybody, welcome to The Common Good. My name is Brian Fromm, joined as always by Ian Simpkins. We hope you're having a great Tuesday afternoon. Glad that you are joining us. You can find us on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show, on Twitter at Common Good Talk. Find our podcast wherever it is you get your podcast. Go ahead, subscribe, uh, rate, and review. Happy Tuesday, man. They, Thank you. They let us back in. <laughs> we had one show back together yesterday, and then like, okay, are we, are we still good? Yes, we're good. Here I feel like you're always amazed that they a let us back in, that b we still have a show. Like I'm, I'm starting to worry about your expectations of the show in general. On our trip away, one of the many conversations my wife and I had was uh, about this very subject of me going, yeah, I'm constantly surprised when people listen or when people. <laughs> she kind of looked at me like, really. I said, yeah, it's just a weird concept. It's a weird deal. It is a little weird. I mean, I totally understand the feeling. Yeah. But we, I mean, we're a year plus change now, so. We are. Now we hold all the cards. No. <laughs> no. You're right to laugh because that's insane. No. <laughs> I like to think so. I know you do. I like to think so. So Classic lead pastor syndrome. We're excited to have you join us today. Uh, lots of good things to talk about. Later on in the show, we're going to have a friend of yours, Colin Wilkins, is going to join us. Yep. Uh, excited for that conversation. But I wanted to start. Uh, a, a uh, an article I saw a couple days ago about Aaron Rodgers that yeah. was floating around, and uh, it's it's an interesting article that has got a lot of people uh, talking. The headline at the Christian Post says Aaron Rodgers' family uh, hurt by his anti-Christian comments on God and on the Bible. And so some of the background to this story is this. Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, grew up in a pretty conservative Christian home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a tight family, as best you could tell, until like the last couple of years. And it has become very public uh, that Rogers is pretty much estranged from all of his family, which, hmm. which is really sad when you read it. And then you start to go, man, they're having to do this um, in the public eye. That's really painful. And so in an article, actually, it, it is a transcription of a podcast that he actually did on his girlfriend. He is dating D- Danica Patrick, the professional race car driver, mm-hmm. on her podcast, Pretty Intense, it's called. Uh, he recently made comments about the church, against the church and the Christian faith while speaking uh, to Patrick. He said this. He said about his family, they were dismayed. The family is very dedicated to their Christian faith. This is People Magazine quoting a source about the family. Most people that I knew, church was just, uh, you just had to go. That is what Roger said. Rogers went on to say, I don't know how you can believe in a God who wants to condemn most of the planet to hell. What type of loving, sensitive, omnipresent, omnipotent being wants to condemn his beautiful creation to a fiery hell at the end of his life? It says the athlete's family, it's, uh, quote, basically a slap in the face to the fundamentals of who they are. 
it's basically him turning his back on everything they have taught him. There's clearly a lot more to it, but that's how he is perceived uh, by his family. He goes on to say, Rogers goes on to say, religion can be a crutch. It can be something that people have to have to make themselves feel better because it's set up binary. It's us and them, saved and unsaved, heaven and hell. It's enlightened and heathen. It's holy and righteous. That makes a lot of people feel better about themselves. So, man, there's a lot there, everything from his problems with Christianity that he grew up with to uh, the wedge that it can it can be in a family when when one goes one way, one goes the other. I actually read a different article, too, uh, from two years ago at ESPN that talked about the influence, uh, whatever you believe about this person, the influence that Rob Bell has had on Aaron Rodgers' life. That they're I was really, seeing some of that, yeah. They're actually really close. That, is that, that true? It is. And that when Rodgers was really wrestling with his faith a couple years ago, it's Rob Bell who he turned to. Mm. And so you hear him say some of this stuff about hell. It was when Rob Bell, what was the book? Uh, Love Wins. Love Wins, when yeah. that came out. Yeah. Um, and, and Rogers talks about how uh, Rob Bell has had a huge influence. They still get together regularly. No kidding. Yep. And so, um, yeah, a lot there. When you read these articles about Aaron Rodgers, uh, it makes me sad uh, and also, I find a lot of it very interesting. What, were, what was your takeaway? Well, my first is uh, that he is like, I've been told, my much more handsome, much more fit doppelganger. I could see it. You knew where I was going. All right. That means a lot. Thank you. That's I'm like an atrophied Jake <laughs> Gyllenhaal slash Aaron Rodgers. Atrophied. I this is not the topic at all, but I did have a student my first year at Yellow Box go. She said, you look, like, you look just like Jake Gyllenhaal if he never, ever worked out. <laughs> And I'm like such a words of affirmation guy. I was like, I'll still take that. That's still <laughs> a sickly Jake Gyllenhaal. I'll take that. That's take the positive aspect <laughs> yeah, of that. Right. right. Um, I actually did not know that much about his faith at all until I saw. Yeah. I'm reading a different article on Yahoo, which quotes a lot of the same parts of the podcast. Um, but I think a lot of people have wrestled through some of these same questions. I was actually are you familiar with who Preston Sprinkle is. I am. So he just did a big, long, two-part podcast that he said he actually recorded a long time ago, but sat on for a long time because he wasn't sure if he actually wanted to release it. Oh, wow. Did you know that he wrote most of Erasing Hell, the Francis Chan response no. to Rob Bell's Love Wins? No. Yeah, it was mostly him, I guess. I, I had wow. no idea. There's a whole other conversation there, but that's crazy. Yeah, that is a lot. That's a good point. But the two-part podcast was how it was kind of him coming out saying that he was a, an annihilationist. Oh, wow. So that essentially is the idea that um, typically there are two camps, eternal conscious torment, ECT, mm-hmm. or annihilationism, which means you just sort of yep. cease to be, yep. right? And John Stott, famously an annihilationist. Uh-huh, that's right. That's right. And a whole lot of other people that you maybe wouldn't necessarily yeah. guess. This is, this is the weird state of affairs we're in now because um, – we're obsessed with sort of sound bites and quotes, mm-hmm. and it's amazing to me how often I'll see people quoting scholars and mystics, both living and otherwise, that when I see people post, I'm like, I don't think you actually know the greater body of work that <laughs> this person. the rest of that right. or article. It, yeah. Well, it doesn't mean that the statement isn't necessarily true or good or edifying, but sometimes yep. it's like, you are. I know for a fact you are actually very opposed to this greater body of work. But uh, yeah, when I started seeing some of the comments about, oh, you know, he's close with Rob and all that, it was sort of like, Rob infected exactly. Aaron's mind yep, yep. and he's to blame. And Aaron, sometimes almost treating Aaron like he was a child, yes. like, wow, oh, Rob's been a bad influence. If, like, only, he's, if he's, only so-and-so had gotten a hold of Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, first. right. Yeah. He's like a thinking, rational adult. Yeah. So, you know, I'm always a little bit, again, I don't necessarily know what it's like from the family perspective, but 
it fe- and we've talked about this before. Some of the responses from the family are like, this just feels like a slap in the face. Yeah. To me, sometimes those are exactly the responses that make questioning and doubting Christians feel like they don't have safe places to ask these questions. Yeah. They see this kind of play out on a national or global scale. They're like, oh, see, that's probably how my family would respond if yeah. I raised serious questions about hell or about salvation or about predestination mm-hmm. or about the end time. You know what I mean? Like, And again... The family is grieving, so I want to certainly um, give them space for that. But sometimes I I feel like we don't do a great job of actually letting people feel some of these things or ask those questions. And maybe they have. Maybe this has been a a much longer journey than what we're reading in a you know a quick article. But uh, I do sometimes think this is this is a microcosm of how a lot of people feel. To be honest, yeah. Two interesting things. I do think it's something we've taught talked about before that even in your family, like uh, this might sound backwards to you, but. It feels like your your love of your kid or your love of your your spouse or whatever needs to even trump faith issues. Like you got to trust God that the Holy Spirit's going to be at work in that person's uh-huh. life. Yeah. Um, and, and two, it's interesting. It says uh, in August of 2017, Rogers told ESPN that he began questioning his faith he grew up with after he won a Super Bowl. So the only Super Bowl he won, and I read an article about this. He was on the bus. Uh, after the Super Bowl, he had a great game, was the MVP. Yeah, the Super Bowl's right. coming up this week. He, it's the only one he's won. And he said, wow, that's all there is? Wow. And it was like this kind of almost existential moment of like, yeah. everything in my career and my training has been pushing to this exact moment right. where I would sit on this bus and celebrate with my teammates and my right. family. Right. And he's going, mm. Wow, didn't deliver. Exactly. Right. And that uh, that started... Yep. A, an unpacking of his entire worldview, which included his faith. It's the same with Jim Carrey. We've quoted yeah. that a number of times. We yep. said, I wish everyone could get successful and rich and famous and everything they ever hoped for so that they could find out that it's not actually the answer. Yeah. I think a lot of people actually reach the pinnacle, the summit of their pursuits, and then are met with some kind of exit. I don't think it necessarily is only when the bottom drops out. I think it maybe only, I think it maybe almost more often happens when you get the thing that you thought would fulfill you. And that doesn't have to be career aspirations. I've heard plenty of people, man, like I really thought once I was able to afford to move into this neighborhood or have a house with yes. the square footage or rise to this ranks in my company or finally have this car, I thought marriage would complete me. I thought having kids would finally fulfill me. You know what I mean? Like all yes. these, they're all, you know, good things. I think there is something that happens that when you do get it and you're like, yikes, that did not fulfill the way that I thought that it would. Mm, that's a good, that's good. So we'd love for you to look at this article on our Facebook page. At the Common Good Radio Show. That's the Common Good uh, Radio Show. Coming up next, we're going to talk about a tweet from Bernie Sanders over the weekend. Uh, that is uh, either going to love it or you're going to hate it. That's coming up next here on the Common Good AM 1160. Hope for your life. Welcome back to the Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life alongside Ian Simpkins. My name is Brian Fromm. Thanks for joining us on this Tuesday afternoon. You can find us in a bunch of other places. Facebook at the Common Good Radio Show. You can find us Whoa. there. Wow. Like I actually think you're gonna be there today. Just on the Facebook page. I'm there right now. Hanging out. Mm-hmm. What's up, guys? <laughs> you can find us on Twitter. Someone talk to me. At Common Good Talk. <laughs> at Common Good Talk. Online at eleven sixty hope.com. And there's another spot we are. Podcast World. I thought you were gonna say Panera. Ooh. Ooh, I want to be there soon. Your reaction is always the same oh. when I say Panera. It's like Chili. when uh, it's like when the hyenas heard the word Mufasa. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> say it again. <laughs> Mufasa, Mufasa, Mufasa. 
<laughs> what a throwback. That's funny. That's good. Uh, yeah, you can find our podcast wherever it is you get your podcast. Go ahead, subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, before we jump into this tweet from Bernie Sanders, let me tell you about something going on at In Touch Ministries. The new year is underway, and our friends at In Touch Ministries want to bless you with a complimentary wall calendar called Blessed to Be the Church featuring Charles Stanley's original photography of churches around the world, an inspirational Bible verse from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, and a motivational quote from Dr. Stanley accompany each photo. So get yours today absolutely free at 1160hope.com slash contest. And get this, everyone who signs up will be entered to win uh, a copy uh, of the Charles Stanley Life Principles Bible. Have we decided when when we're going to be at this long enough to have our own life study Bible? <laughs> Gosh, it's, it's not a matter of length of time for me. <laughs> it's a matter of qualifications of which I will never reach. So that's the Charles Stanley Life Principles Bible. So sign up today at 1160hope.com slash contest. That is 1160hope.com slash contest. Really well done, Ryan. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so, you know, we politics, we delve into the ad- abortion debate often here uh, because, uh, again, not speaking for you, but we've had many conversations. But for me, abortion is a is a huge issue. Uh, I don't like to fancy myself as a single issue voter, but a lot of people are around the topic of abortion. And uh, we just had uh, we're going to talk about it later. The March for Life that just happened. Uh, it's, it feels like even, uh, the debates around abortion are getting more polarized and, and stronger. So after, after the March for life, I saw somebody on Instagram going, uh, with a picture of the March for life. If you don't want abortion, just don't get one yourself. Uh, that right, kind of stuff. right, right. Uh, so with that, Bernie Sanders had a tweet the other day, uh, on January 24th. So what was that Saturday? Uh, Friday, uh, Sanders had a tweet on Friday, uh, that to be honest with you is, uh, some some of you might think I'm taking a way too simplistic view of this. Almost when I read a, 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 a tweet like this, it's disqualifying for me. Like, I would never be able to vote for you. Uh, mm. And so I'd love to know if other people feel the same way. But it was a four-word uh, tweet that just said this. Abortion is health care. So that was what Bernie Sanders tweeted. Abortion is health care. And then you can imagine what the comments. There's eighty three over 83,000 retweets. Over 472,000 likes. That doesn't even get to the comments going on. So you read a comment before that just said abortion is murder. Yeah, it's the first one that shows up for me, but not for you. Not for you, which is interesting. The first one that shows up for me is somebody saying healthcare is not a healthcare unless it includes all human life. And so his uh, Hmm. tweet, and then Elizabeth Warren kind of came on the back of it, basically writing something that was very similar. Hmm. Uh, Abortion is healthcare has sparked just all sorts of emotion that I think in just four words... Uh, he, in some ways, the reason I think this is an important tweet is I think he has crystallized the abortion debate in four words. Mm. Is abortion health care or is abortion murder? Is abortion um, a, a right that that is, you know, it's nothing more than taking care of a medical problem or a medical issue or a medical whatever? Uh, or is that a life that's being taken care of? And I feel like in his four words, he has kind of crystallized that for a lot of people. And to be honest with you, I think he meant to do that. Like, I think that was purposeful right around when the March for Life was going on. And so uh, a lot there. I wonder if you hadn't seen this tweet, if you just saw it for the first time now, or if you saw it earlier, uh, did you have any sort of reaction to it? I, when I read it, it was a pretty visceral reaction. Like, yeah. man, that's just cold. Yeah, That's cold right there. I wonder what your thoughts were. 
Yeah, I would agree. I, you say crystallized. I, I would probably say polarized. Mm-hmm. I, the crystallized seems to imply that it's helpful. I don't know necessarily that it is. I think that uh, maybe that's a different see what you're saying. rabbit trail. But the cold piece, though, like even for people that I know who are very thoughtful, pro-choice people, mm-hmm. I think they even think, well, that's cold. I think... As best I can tell, at least in personal conversations, I'm not speaking for any celebrities or any politicians, but people that I've had debates and sometimes even heated conversations with um, would find that particular sentiment, especially for someone running. And again, uh, I'm not naive enough to not think this isn't highly strategic and this was curated by a team of people and he's trying to accomplish something. But even for the people, and we've read other previous uh, articles and tweets from people that are like, yeah, I, I've uh, had an abortion mm. and I am still pro-choice, but I've never met a woman who was happy with yeah. that decision or not deeply affected. So even some of the voices from the pro-choice people saying, yeah, yeah, I still land on this side of the debate, but goodness, to say it that way or to in any way imply that women should be celebrating that or happy about it, at least from the voices and perspectives from pro-choice women that I know, um, and it is predominantly women that are speaking to this, I think that's been helpful even to say, yeah, I I still think in terms of my politics, I'm going to land pro-choice, but goodness, we have to be a whole lot more honest and transparent about how how gut-wrenching the whole ordeal is and for them personally and for friends that they've known. And and that, to me, this tweet obviously misses all of that nuance, and I I just think that is, um, yeah, it's pretty heartbreaking. I think you make a good point about nuance because we do it on the other side of the argument sometimes. Like sometimes if you listen to pro-life people, they make it seem like everybody who has an abortion goes skipping into the abortion clinic all happy to do it, right? Like, hey, this is great. Yeah, right. And we ought to realize that there is some nuance. But, yeah, that's why I, you use a good word, polarizing and cold. It feels uh, – and it's got to be purposeful. It, that, that is a purposeful way of going about it. Um, and I don't know mm, – here, let me. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot here, so feel free to to duck this question. Uh, could you ever see yourself even considering voting for somebody who put out a tweet like this, or is that too big a hurdle for you? Not just the the stance, but the coldness of it, or is that a issue for you? But you're going to take a lot more nuance into the into the thoughts. Yeah, personally, that that might that might be. Uh disqualifying in my mind mm. but i i tend to not be a single issue voter yeah um, me neither it is a really it's a really really big one and i think you know shane claiborne put out a a blog a couple days ago about some of his pro-life all of life stuff which plenty of people ripped apart you know like that's just um mm. liberal propaganda but plenty of people were cheering i would encourage you to read it it's you know you might have to suspend some of your judgments of how you think Shane Claiborne thinks or votes, um, but it's it's actually it's pretty well written, and I think it raises a lot a lot of other questions about what does it mean to actually be pro life, which is a very important conversation. It's really important. I'll also say this: um, Andy Stanley right now is in the midst of a politics and religion series. Is he really? Oh my gosh, it is so good. One of the clips I saw yesterday. He talked about how Republicans always think that Jesus would be a Republican and Democrats always think that Jesus would be a Democrat, and he kind of explains why. And then he quotes Dr. Tony Evans, who I've been following for a long time, and he said, Dr. Evans uh, famously said, "Um, Jesus didn't come to take sides, he came to take over. And this idea that either camp has cornered what what Jesus would do or what he would believe um, is really kind of just nonsense. I mean, you should check it out. Andy Stanley's going for it. How far in is he in? Uh, I think... Last weekend was week two or week three. 
Wow. It's really, really good. And in the most Andy Stanley kind of way. Oh, and for plenty sure. of people have their own opinions about him and his politics, but it is helping kind of challenge some of these, you know, we're forced into these binary black and whites, us versus them. And I think he's doing a good job of, of kind of walking some of the gray. That's gutsy. Good for him. Yeah. Good for him. Well, uh, you know, this is a hot button topic and will be for this whole election season. We'd love to know what you think. You can do so at the Facebook page, The Common Good Radio Show. Well, before I left town a week ago, uh, we talked about a story uh, about a pastor taken captive in Nigeria, and it took a it took a sad turn over the last week. We're going to talk about that next year on The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Hey, everyone. Ian Simpkins here. And after we had this marriage conference with Thrivent and two other local churches, it kind of piqued my interest to learn more about this organization. We had such a good response with them at the conference. I was kind of interested in seeing what else they did. And so they actually provided me with this list of like, 12 or 13 different topics that they offer free workshops for people that want to be wise with money and live generously. And the thing that was crazy is that each of these topics were things that people in my church were actually asking me, things that I didn't really know how to talk about. And so they offered numerous free workshops for the people in our church to help them be wise with money and to live generously. And let me tell you, it was this really beautiful sort of no strings attached kind of a, we want to help you do this better. And that was kind of the continuation of my relationship with Thrive and being really grateful for the ways that they were coming alongside us and the local churches around us. And if you're interested at all in learning more, I cannot encourage you enough to head to Thrivent.com today. Hey everybody, welcome back to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. Thanks for joining us on this Tuesday afternoon. You can find us on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show. That's The Common Good Radio Show. Find us on Twitter at Common Good Talk. Find our podcast wherever it is you get your podcast. Uh, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and uh, review. You might remember a story we did uh, two weeks ago, maybe, out of Christianity Today, uh, about a pastor who had been in Nigeria. He had been um, uh, taken captive by Boko Boko Haram. Is that how it's called? Mm -hmm. Boko Haram. Uh, And that he had to do a hostage video. And I remember when you and I had the conversation, his hostage video uh, basically turned into a testimony about how he doesn't fear... Um, they called him the modern day Shadrach. He said, by the grace of God, I will be together with my wife, my children and my colleagues. But if the opportunity has not been granted, maybe it's the will of God. Be patient. Don't cry. Don't worry. But thank God for everything. Uh, and uh, this is this pastor uh, out of uh, out of Nigeria. And uh, the story took a, a come on, uh, especially out here in the West over the last week, a shocking turn as he was beheaded oh, uh, for his faith. So it says Boko Haram has beheaded a Brethren Church leader in Nigeria, according to the same investigative journalist who shared the pastor's hostage video, which encouraged many, uh, many with his testimony. He said to break some news that can to break some news items can traumatize. I'm battling with this one. Uh, Reverend Andimi, abducted by Boko Haram, was executed yesterday, tweeted Ahmad uh, Salkida. He was a church leader, a father to his children and community. He served my condolences uh, go to his family. Uh, And so it goes on and on. And and when I first saw this again, a hard story. And sometimes we don't mean to just be downers here. We'll try to put in some light stories here, some lists later on or something. Uh, but when you read stories like this, when you and I read it like a week and a half ago, when we shared it on on uh, on our show, 
it was uh, from this perspective. Like, there's a whole world out there where Christians are facing some really serious things. And you and I remember we went through statistics of the countries where people are, where Christians are most facing persecution, Nigeria being one of them. Uh, and then we shared this story of Pastor Andimi and the way he used his, his hostage video as a bit of a testimony, like uh, what we shared earlier. Uh, but now to read that that they that he was killed, I don't know. Uh, this was probably not always not only a uh, a uh, possibility, but maybe this was a likely ending to this. Maybe this was how this was probably expected to end. But when I read it after having discussed it with you for a while, going, man, that that feels that feels like whole nother level right there. Uh, and it brings up all those conversations about what's going on around the world. So again. Uh, not to be a big downer, we'll we'll move on from this in a little bit. But uh, but when you read stories like this, it's it's got. Do you feel the heaviness of it to the level that I did when I read that? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I feel sick to my stomach just reading this. To be honest, like yep. it is, it's so bizarre to read some of even the professionalism in the article because it is so. So the Christian Association of Nigeria, they're interviewing uh, Kwamker Vondip, who is the director for legal and public affairs. And he's giving some of the specifics, like the church did everything within her reach to secure the safe release of this pastor and gentleman, but it's not possible because they didn't have the military power to do so. The mm. church views the unabated kidnappings, extortions, and killings of Christians and innocent Nigerians as shameful to the government that each time boasts that it has conquered insurgency. And then goes on to say, we cannot lose hope on divine protection and the power of our Lord Jesus Christ to expose those behind the sponsorship of terrorism in Nigeria and to get Nigeria safe from the arms of the criminals. Like that is wild to me. And I realize this is, you know, a leader who needs to probably present some strength yeah. to some degree. And But to, to on the heels of this, have the wherewithal to say, well, you, yeah, we still can't lose hope. Like this mm. is gut-wrenching. To me, shows that like they are probably far more familiar yeah. with things like this than we'll ever be. And that's heartbreaking. You know, it's kind of what we talked about a couple of weeks ago when we talked about this story the first time, that there is just a whole other world of being a Christian that you and I have no frame of reference for. And we can certainly be grateful in, on one end, but I, I think also needs to maybe grieve us in new ways. Yes. And that is tough to do it, it is on one hand i think we can say Man, i'm so grateful that we live in a country where we're able to express our uh, religious freedoms without fear of persecution or beheadings but on the other end to you know like gosh this is a story that we do know about how many stories do we not know exactly. about where christians are not just being ridiculed but literally executed for their faith that that brings all sorts of other i think important questions to the surface absolutely and and you read these stories and again uh <laughs> This might sound weird. Like it's when I read stories like this that I enjoy my Christian bubble. <laughs> like, because hmm. you don't want to be confronted by stuff like this. You're like, wait, this is just a brother and sister in Christ who is in the other side of the world and, and he's getting killed. He's getting beheaded. Like, man, that's that is overwhelming. And and uh, the perspective uh, that this other person, Para Malam, uh, wrote: Reverend Andimi died a martyr, and therefore no doubt a Christian hero. The blood of martyrs, you used this quote two weeks ago when we were talking about this, the blood of martyrs is the seed which waters and grows the gospel of peace as good yeah. news to a broken and hurting world, which Jesus Christ called us to proclaim. Reverend Andimi's blood will water the spread of the gospel in the Northeast, Nigeria, and wow. other parts of the world. No doubt about this. What a perspective. Like, I read this, and I'm like, 
what do you even do with this? And I know that this is there are more people living this out in the world than than aren't. And so, like yeah. I said, we get in this Christian bubble where you're like, how is this even possible? But yeah. just that perspective about the blood of the martyrs spreading the gospel, while biblical, is also a really hard one to wrestle with. Well, let me just um, give you some context, too. It says Nigeria is the second most violent country for persecuted Christians. Pakistan is number one, according to the 2020 World Watch List released last week by Open Doors. The list ranks Nigeria at number 12 among the top 50 countries where it's hardest to be a Christian. According to Open Doors, Nigeria led the world in Christian martyrdom with 1,350 mm. confirmed and in Christian abductions with 224 confirmed during the list's reported period from November 2018 to October 2019. Um, those numbers are staggering to Absolutely. me. And like, you compare that to anything in the United States, it's no contest, no. right? And it's just there's so much packed into it because when then we've got to deal with what do we do with this here? Maybe not talk about how we feel persecuted. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, maybe find other language for uh, when somebody pushes back on your faith. But, I, you know, not to not to beat this drum every time, but it just the the, the real call is like you got to be praying. We got to be praying and and asking the question, how can we in the West use our freedom and our resources uh, to to advocate for these men and women, brothers and sisters who are facing uh, this sort of persecution. That's a hard question. I don't know. I have no idea to the answer to that question. Yeah. I just know that we have a freedom and many of us have resources that might be able to be helpful here. Uh, and so what do we do with that? But most of all, you just grieve for his family and you long for a uh, perspective. You know, like I, I wish that I could have that perspective that that person had. Uh, that perspective comes through probably a lot of experience and a lot of pain. Well, and at the very least, I think a challenge would be to educate yourself. Yeah. You know, this article links to the Open Doors article, which is, I think we talked about it actually, is really um, fascinating, but certainly paints a very different picture. And again, I'm not saying that you need to feel in any way guilty about the freedoms that we have. You know, sometimes you, you go on your first mission trip and you go back and you feel guilty for all the food yep. that's in your fridge. I don't know that that's actually particularly helpful, but at the very least to reframe, okay, so maybe in a global scale. And that doesn't mean that persecution doesn't still happen here. Yeah, absolutely. It just looks very, very different. And I think to have an appropriate context and to maybe, maybe lower the volume a little bit on some mm. of the like the war with Christians, you know, like now that this is war, you yeah. know, and, and and I know that it can be extreme here too. People are I guess kicked so. out of programs and they've lost their jobs and they're being sued. Like th that's all very real, but gosh, when, when you compare it to the martyrdom of Christians worldwide, that's just a whole different stratosphere. And I think it should lead us to at the very least educate ourselves and pray. Absolutely. Well, well put, man. Well, coming up next, I'm uh, going to look at an article out of the gospel coalition titled how to teach your teen to study the Bible. That's next year on the common good AM 1160. Hope for your life. Welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. Glad to have you joining us today. You can find us on Twitter at Common Good Talk. Find us on Facebook, The Common Good Radio Show. Find our podcast wherever it is you get your podcast. Go, Go ahead, ahead and subscribe. <laughs> what else you want them to do? Rate. And that's what I want you to stop today. What? Subscribe and rate. No, I don't want any reviews today. I, I Keep your reviews to yourself. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> you are hot or cold, aren't you? I don't, I don't want you. No, keep your reviews no. to yourself. If you're not going to write them, then don't. All right? um, but don't listen to Brian. We still want reviews. That still helps, I think. I think. Unless it's bad, I guess. That's a valid point. 
We and should said, we should change the intro to like we would welcome your positive rates positive and reviews. reviews. Yes, subscribe, rate if it's good. Keep your one star to yourself. <laughs> Come give us one star. I think you're a one star. Oh my gosh, <laughs> so retaliatory. <laughs> at the at the uh, gospelcoalition.org, uh, an interesting article the other day um, that was from about a year ago. But I wonder, as as a former youth pastor, you and I are both youth pastors. Uh, and now I've got a kids, I've got kids in this age demographic and it's titled this, how to teach your teen to study the Bible. And the author named Jen Wilkin wrote, parents contact me frequently to ask what devotionals or young adult Bible studies I would recommend they do with their teens. As our kids enter the teen years, our responsibility as parents is to help them develop good habits of interacting with the Bible, finding an approach that is age appropriate and manageable is key. My encouragement is to simply read the Bible with your teen in a way that models and trains Bible literacy. Literacy, no special teen uh, resource required. And so before jumping into her kind of, she gives a couple, here's a simple approach to how to help your teen read the Bible. Yeah. Wondering what you think about that. Like no, no, no other resources, you and your teen, uh, just, just open the Bible, read it together and discuss it. Well, I actually really like Jen Wilkin. We did um, a series on the Sermon on the Mount okay. and she was invaluable in that sermon prep actually. So is that I'm, right? yeah, I'm a, I'm a, uh, a pretty big fan of her, at least based on that work. I don't really know all that much about her, but she did like a live teaching thing based on the Sermon on the Mount is really robust, really great. Um, you can probably buy that somewhere still, if that's helpful. Looks like she's from the Village Church yeah. in Texas. You yeah, might yeah. find it there. She's sharp. Um, I don't know that I agree with that <laughs> necessarily. I don't, I mean, if there are resources particularly curated, now that's, that doesn't mean they're always great. I've certainly, and you, again, you mentioned we were youth pastors. I'm sure you came across things that were like, quote unquote, um, aimed at students, and you thumb through it, and you're like, this is mostly garbage. This is, yes. I mean, that's also going to happen, yeah. like with any you know curated or targeted resource. So take it with a grain of salt. It is actually one of the things I really appreciate about our church. I'll often get emails from people like, hey, I'm just thinking about doing something with my family. We're looking at these three books. Are you familiar oh, with any of them? What would you recommend? And you can usually do a pretty quick perusal, and you can find reviews. I'm like, oh, this was... Sword of Gospel Light, or maybe that's what you're looking for. And I don't necessarily know that I'd recommend that, but right. yeah, I don't. I don't. Again, I think the list of suggestions she makes is actually pretty helpful. But I, I would not wholesale say no resources. Stay away from resources, sure. just the Bible. But you know, teaches them. There you go. Well, here she writes is a simple approach that you can adapt to fit the age of your teen. So she gives a list here of just some helpful, uh, in her words how to best start to sit down and study the Bible with your teen. And so many of us, I'm going to lump, my, lump myself in here. Uh, we could preach the Bible. We could study the Bible with other people. But when it comes to your own kids, it can be really difficult. Yeah. It can be awkward, uh, especially if you try to start when they're teens, when they're late in the game. Uh, and so number one, we'll go back and forth here. But number one, she writes, pick a book of the Bible to read and discuss together. Okay. If you have never studied together, start with a shorter book like Jonah or James, if at all possible. I'd recommend James over those two. <laughs> start with Jonah, a 12-year-old. If at all possible, <laughs> tackle longer books like Genesis or Hebrews while you still have the opportunity to guide and shape their study method. The goal is to give your teen exposure to the value of studying an entire book from start to finish as opposed to only studying topically uh, or devotionally. I do like that. If your church is doing a sermon series through an entire book of the Bible, you can align with them. All right, you take number two. Oh, do you have any thoughts on number one? I think it's a good idea. Like, go and start to finish. I think you're right. Like, starting, be strategic about the one you pick to yeah. start with. Yeah, again, my uh, vote would be James over Jonah. Yeah, and maybe Hebrew, Hebrews is tough, but maybe Hebrews over Genesis. Just start an Old Testament. Yeah, that's right true. Off the bat. I want to go Romans. Yeah. Romans. Whatever. We could Long. debate that all day long. Yeah, but I do like the idea of like, 
hey, uh, Johnny or Jane, we're going to start. We're going to do this book. Right, right. I'm going to help you. We're going to read the same. You and I are going to read the same thing every day. And then we're going to talk about it. I think that's great. I think it also, too, is an opportunity to teach them. Like, this wasn't originally written with chapters and verses. Like, yes. that's another teaching opportunity. Number, how many are here? Seven. Oh, we got to move. All right. Number two, get a copy of your selected book of the Bible that has room for taking notes. That's you can good. create this by copying one chapter at a time from Bible Gateway into a document, set the margins to wide and the spacing to 1.5 so you have enough room to write, or you can purchase these great ESV, of course, the Gospel Coalition is ah, offering yes, up ESV, ESV. Uh, scripture journals if you want something ready-made, usable, and attractive. Get a copy for you and your child. That was very specific. Yes, really, gateway, really the <laughs> Here's your spacing. Way to fit the stereotypes, Clearly, TGC. He's done it. Number three, set a schedule to meet once a week for a 30-minute discussion. Use a reading plan to help you break the text into readable increments. Most reading plans are set up for daily reading through the entire Bible or a specified period of time. Simply adapt the daily portions into weekly ones for the book of your choosing. For example, here it is. The ESV reading plan <laughs> covers the book of James. In there are eight other days. translations, by the yes, way, <laughs> in eight days, but you could cover it in eight weeks using the same text divisions. Create a schedule for your discussion times that notes the dates and passages to be discussed. I like this one because with kids, I mean, they get homework. They're used to having a schedule and this adds some formality to it that says, we're going to do this. This is how we're going to do it this time. I think that probably, probably keeps you on track. Well, and the whole idea is build a structure, yeah. which ironically is a lot of what resources do. So she's saying, don't get a resource. I'm like, a resource would help you, whatever. That's good. I also like the structure of starting small, like going, hey, we're yeah. going to read a pass. We're going to read a chunk a week, not a right, day. Right, right. And she has them listed as like 10 verses, 20 verses, yeah. not Set you yourself know, up 18 for pages. Right. Number four, get a bird's eye view for your first discussion time. Ask your team to come with answers to the following questions about the book you've chosen. Who wrote the book? To whom was it written? When was it written? In what literary style was it written? What are the eternal themes? Central themes. Whoa. <laughs> it is what is today tuesday tuesday <laughs> well also what are the eternal themes both central and eternal actually the question that, that question would also work yeah yes. thank you there i you was just trying to add to <laughs> a good study bible can provide these answers or an online resource <laughs> i think they're getting paid by bible gateway <laughs> what is but she also said don't use resources and she said here's a great resource yeah, anywho, get a get a good bird's eye view. I don't. I mean, some of those questions aren't necessarily the questions that I would ask, but it, that's a good principle in general. <laughs> you just stopped reading. <laughs> yeah, I'm done. I'm done. We're out of time. Number five, prepare for discussion each week before you meet to discuss the text. Both you and your team prepare by doing the following: read the passage from start to finish, in the margin of the copy of the text, write or make a drawing of the main idea of the passage, one or two sentence summary two things you observe. So have them do a little bit of work that then you guys can discuss. But that's an important one. Prepare for the discussion. Show your kid that this is important to you. And then uh, I'll just read the last two. Meet okay. to discuss. That's pretty obvious. And then explore the following questions together. How does this passage fit into the book as a whole? That's a good question. How does this passage minister to its original audience? How does it minister to us today? I think those are both really important questions. Under minister to us today, I like these a lot. Uh, is there a sin to confess? a cause for thanksgiving, a promise or truth to trust in, an attitude to change or a motive to examine? Is there a command to obey, an example to imitate? Is there an error to confront or to avoid? Those are really solid for anyone. That's not not just targeted at kids. I think that's great. And then, uh, again, this maybe should be obvious, but I don't know that it necessarily is. Pray together. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you apply what you have learned. I also think modeling that as a parent is really important. It's not just like, well... We did our intellectual duty for the day. It's like, okay, not to actually 
allow this to transform us requires the work of the Holy Spirit. Right. And I'm going to model that as your parent. And uh, I, I think that's pretty important. Now, these are good. So check them out at the uh, at our Facebook page, The Common Good Radio Show. Uh, we'd love your stories. What Do you find it difficult if you've got a teenager to study the Bible with your teenager? What are some tips that you might have? Well, uh, coming up next, we are going to talk about uh, the March for Life that happened over the past week or so. And uh, what are some of the takeaways from it? That's next year on The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Hey everyone, it's Ian Simpkins here. And after I had this experience with Thrivent where we were able to host this marriage conference with two other churches in the area, uh, my interest was kind of piqued with regards to what kind of organization this was. And it was really fascinating because they approached me, who was pastoring a church in Bartlett, and they said, we actually provide these free workshops for people that want to be wise with money and live generously. And so they sent me this link, and it was all these different topics, questions that people in my church actually were asking. And so it was remarkable. They hosted this workshop uh, a number of times in the coming months for people in our church to do just that, to to be wise with money and to live generously. And that's kind of how this relationship began because there was this no strings attached kind of mentality. It was just their heart to give back, to partner with pastors and churches to help people uh, live generously, to be wise with money and live generously. And that was kind of the continuation of my relationship with them. And so if you're interested in learning more, I can't encourage you enough to head to Thrivent.com today. Coming up this hour, we're going to talk about the March for Life, and we get the opportunity to interview Colin Wilkins. You're listening to The Common Good. Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, alongside Ian Simpkins. My name is Brian Fromm. Really glad to have you back with us here on this Tuesday afternoon. You can find us, as always, on the Facebook page, the Facebook page, uh, the Common Good yeah. Radio Show on Twitter, at Common Good Talk. Podcast us wherever it is you get your podcast. Go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review. We hope you had a great Tuesday and are heading home, and uh, we're glad that, uh, to spend a little time with you. Well, uh, I'm sure you saw the the TV clips or the, the news stories of the March for Life uh going on what is that a couple days ago maybe yeah it was a 47th annual march for life uh in washington dc and uh i guess i'd start with this did you see the size of the crowds uh yeah surprised by that or oh no i'm not surprised no why is that uh i mean i feel like they've been i feel like i'm gonna go like soft statistics here i feel like it's been growing particularly in the last five years so i for whatever reason it didn't surprise me i mean it was impressive yeah I, the number of people who I read who like bust in for it and everything, uh, you know, it reminded me, we, you and I just started doing this show last year and that yeah. was where the, uh, where that, uh, confrontation with, what was it? The Covington. Covington. Yep. That, I forgot. That was like this whole, like, Oh, I remember that last year now. Yeah. That was one of our first big, uh, what would you call that? Like the news broke and then more information came out yep. and then more information came out and it was like, everyone was getting information whiplash. Like, yes. Who, who did what? Yeah. Oh, there's more. Wait, we said this yesterday. Right. <laughs> Did we? we no, I feel like we were. Yeah, maybe I shouldn't uh, paint us into a corner there. I feel like we were on it a little bit. I think we, we held okay off with it. I think we held off doing the story, and then we got more information, and then we kind of talked about. It was just because we were new at it. We were, there was fear. Exactly. It was just fear driven. <laughs> we both let you want to talk about this. I don't know. I don't, I don't really want to talk know. about we this. We shouldn't talk about this. Do you have any opinion? No opinion. We're getting paid for opinions. <laughs> I don't know. Even... Here's a list. 
<laughs> so it was said to be tens. Here's a list. Four funny stories. <laughs> Are you on a delay right now? What's happening? <laughs> so anyway, tens of thousands <laughs> gathered at the March for Life rally in Washington, D.C. And uh, what was most significant, I think, at least most newsworthy about this March for Life uh, was uh, that President Trump became the first sitting president uh, to attend and speak at the March for Life. It says uh, Donald Trump became the first U.S. president to appear in person at the March for Life uh, last Friday. Uh, and uh, although past presidents have spoken to the March for Life via telephone, but those being Ronald Reagan and George W. Bush, none have appeared live at the event. Uh, Trump delivered a video last year. And in his address... Uh, President Trump told tens of thousands that an unborn baby shows, quote, a glimpse of the majesty of God's creation. Every child is a precious and sacred gift from God. Together, we must protect, cherish and defend the dignity and the sanctity of every human life. When we see the image of a baby in the womb, we glimpse the majesty of God's creation. When you hold a newborn in our arms, we know the endless love that each child brings uh, to a family. Trump went on to tout their pro-life accomplishments as well. Uh, he said unborn children have a, never had a stronger defender uh, in the White House. And so um, do you think it's a significant thing that that a sitting president uh, addressed the March for Life live? Did, did you think that was a big deal? Yeah, I think it's significant. Yeah. Uh, do you... Here, so you and I, we have mixed emotions. We've shared this before. We have we have mixed opinions about Donald Trump, right? Sometimes we want to give. Is this something where you go, uh, "Hey, I want to give him total credit for doing this and for standing up for something that that we feel is important," uh, or do you turn more of a side eye to it? Is there a little more nuance to it for you? Well, I mean, the easy answer is there's more nuance to that. I I do think it is worth. Celebrating what is worthy of celebration. Yeah. I also think, honestly, whoever wrote a speech did a pretty dang good job. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> like, yeah, I'll, the whole time I was like, okay, all right, yep. yeah. Like, Keep going. It was, it was a, a, a pretty good speech. But, yeah, I, I, I certainly think it's nuanced. How about you? Yeah, I do too because I have a hard time watching any politicians right now and not think that in some ways they're pandering. <laughs> Which has probably always been the case. I know, but I think I'm – I'm now a cynical enough that it's like, like I we just talked about it last hour, right, with Bernie Sanders and that tweet that said uh, abortion is healthcare. Well, that was time to come out when the March for Life was going on, and it was pandering to a certain demographic. I'm not saying he doesn't believe it, sure, uh, yeah. but but it felt like it was done to score political points because then others jumped in, and uh, you know it is. Um, so I, on the one hand, want to give the president credit when he deserves credit. Like, that was my first thought. I was like, okay, uh, I've pointed out things that have bothered me that he has said in the past or done. Um, I want to be able to go, you know what? Good for you. Like, yes. Like, let's stand up for the babies. And like you said, uh, whichever speechwriter wrote this, and we're not saying we're making no claim like, oh, he, you're saying he didn't write speeches. Most presidents don't write most of their speeches. Yeah, right. This is That's not a, a Trump commentary. Right, right. That's just in uh, but it was a very well-written speech that I, I, like you, was like, yes, like we need to be saying this. And, um, you know, Alex McGill Johnson, Planned Parenthood's interim president, claimed in a message on Twitter <laughs> shooting back. This just shows the polarization of everything. Uh, she said, there's no such thing as infanticide at abortion clinics, and you know it, President Trump. 
You're capitalizing on misinformation in order to shame people for seeking abortion, and that is disgraceful. Um, and it goes on and on. And, uh, you know, does it feel to you – here's what I felt like as I was watching the crowds walking down um, – uh, in 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 Washington D.C. Okay, uh, was we talked about this just a couple minutes ago with with Bernie Sanders? Is man, we are really uh, see if you agree with me on this. We're really increasingly polarized as a country around this specific issue. Yeah, that it used to be even if you were pro-choice, the answer was uh, what was President Clinton's famous line, um, basically saying we want to have as few abortions as possible. But now we're getting to where we tweet abortions, healthcare, and it just feels like. There's this groundswell that there's no middle ground, and I wonder what the church's role in this. Do you think the church's role is uh, preach louder about this? This is a hill to die on. Is it we've got to figure out a way to uh, bridge this gap? What do you see as a pastor for the church's role? I think Sanctity of Life Sunday was last Sunday, maybe we two Sundays ago. Not sure. Uh, what do you see as the church's role here? Well, the yeah. So your question is. It does, does the church have a role? I think it's absolutely yes. I think okay. it's not just um, standing up. It's standing up for the most marginalized, the most vulnerable. Ooh. I think that's that's not like one of many meals in a gospel buffet. I think that's mm. axial. I think that's central and it, and it needs to be. I, I think you're right, though. Did you see the video? It was uh, Buttigieg. It was a pro-life Democrat. Asking him a question about his stance, and he and he kind of skirted the question. And in her question, even she said, "I'm a, I'm a pro life Democrat, of whom wow. there are 21 million of us. Like this is a this is a big wow. deal, a big movement. And even that fact, this. I was like, oh, I didn't know that. Like, yeah. yeah. And she was describing. You have to go watch the video because she she was describing a a, a totally different experience. Where she's like, we feel like we don't belong in this party. And, That's interesting. and so she was sharing some of her frustration and was asking him some pretty point blank questions that he didn't really seem willing to answer. I thought, okay, so to your point about it mm. being polarized is certainly happening. Um, and we, I think we mentioned this yesterday or two days ago. The, the idea, though, that as Christ followers, we're, we're not to be partisan. I think, right. I think the gospel is by nature political. It has political implications yes, for sure. And I think sometimes it's really dangerous to say, like, I don't want politics getting involved. Like, no, that, to declare Jesus as king, that is, that's a political statement. But, uh, yeah, how we actually live that out is probably why we have so much polarization because n- nobody really agrees. And I agree that I think uh, – I love the phrase, and obviously this one goes around a lot. Like, we need to, we need to do all we can to stand up for the unborn – uh, for, uh, but pro-life needs to extend. What's the old saying? From womb to tomb, and, yeah. and that needs to be uh, how we look at things. I think Shane Claiborne does a lot of really good stuff with that. Um, so we need to really stand up for the womb, right? We need to really stand yeah. up for the baby. Yeah, it's a both. But sometimes it stops there, and and I think uh, the March for Life I think is a good opportunity to go. What's it look like for the church to stand up for the marginalized, as you put it? across the spectrum yeah do our politics look like that i think it's uh it's it, that's where the challenge really becomes right and something we need to wrestle with well uh would love to know your feedback you could do so at the facebook page the common good radio show coming up next uh, a friend of yours uh mm-hmm. colin wilkin you're listening to the common good am 1160 hope for your life Welcome back to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. Glad to have you joining us here on this Tuesday evening. Hope your day is going well. You can find us on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show. 
On Twitter, at Common Good Talk. You can find us online at 1160hope.com and find our podcast wherever it is you get your podcast. So uh, we love to talk. We love to go back and forth. But the thing we love the most is having guests in mm-hmm. studio. And we are, with that in mind, we are excited to welcome Colin Wilkins uh, into the studio. Colin, thanks for joining us today, man. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Pleasure. Absolutely. Why don't you uh, introduce yourself to our audience? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, 33 years old. Oh, the year of Jesus. The year of Jesus. The year. The The holiest of holies. The holiest year. (laughs) Quite an intro. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so Christ follower, husband to Michelle Wilkins, who you guys had on your show last week. That's right. Um, I am an uncle, and I recently created this Guys With Grit YouTube channel in hopes of empowering men to live their lives with integrity and so that's kind of what i'm here to talk about i love that yeah so you i mean this idea i remember you talking about this maybe as long as a year ago is that right has it been stewing for that long yeah yeah so so this idea of a youtube channel uh encouraging guys particularly around the topic of integrity right yes why why that topic What, what was sort of the uh the impetus the the reasoning behind that specifically yeah so this kind of had an interesting um forming it basically started out as this group called men of honor i don't know mm-hmm. if you remember me talking about that a while yeah, back yep. but i wanted to get a group of guys together just to talk about men's issues men's struggles i felt that there wasn't really much of a place to hmm. do something like that yeah and so i got a group of guys together actually at yellow box yep. and we had our first men of honor group night there and i thought it went really well and just to be honest with you, it it kind of fizzled pretty fast. Mm. Part of my doing, um, I was engaged at the time, and so wedding planning was ramping yeah, up right, and everything. Right. And I I kind of let it fizzle a little bit, but um, that's kind of where the idea came from. And so you know, fast forward several months, got married, and um, my wife was actually getting really into writing. Yeah. And so she's I was, a great writer. Too. Yeah. She's yeah. incredible. Yeah. And so I was actually encouraging her to get more out in social media. And I was almost, I was kind of encouraging her to start a YouTube channel. I was <laughs> like, this would be a great way for you to get your name out there. And, and, um, she's such a great speaker. She has a great presence about her. And so mm-hmm. I was encouraging her to do this. She's like, yeah, I don't know. And we're standing out on our balcony one day, and she looked at me, and she was like, why don't you start a YouTube channel for your guys with grit thing? She flipped it on you. Yeah, she You start it. a YouTube channel. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so that's kind of how this whole thing started. So yeah. I changed the name, because I remember asking some people, like, do you like the name Men of Honor? And I remember you specifically oh, said, no. well, you... it actually makes me think of the movie, like the 90s movie Men of Honor. Yeah, and with I was uh, like, Cuba oh, Gooding Jr., I think, right? I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> right. But I Googled it and I was like, "Oh, you're right." So <laughs> there it is. So I had to uh, kind of rename the whole thing, yeah. and you know, the whole idea behind it is integrity. Yeah. And so we're just brainstorming one day, and I was like, "What if we just called it like guys with grit, empowering mm. men to live their lives with integrity?" Uh, and so ooh. we kind of came up with that name. You know, Michelle helped me formulate that. So um, yeah, the I've always been passionate about integrity ever since I recommitted my life to Christ. Hmm. Um, There was a time in my life, like several years, where I was away from my faith, Hmm. from the church, and really compromised my own integrity Hmm. in a lot of ways, in relationships, at work, um, personally. Hmm. 
And so when I recommitted my life to Christ back in 2012, the pendulum swung the complete opposite way. Mm, wow. God, God got a hold of me. Wow. I My conscience was restored and... You know, you could kind of say I have an overactive conscience now, which is kind of... I would affirm that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know know better than anybody as my mentor. But yeah, so, and you know, I don't know if you guys have taken the Enneagram, but Mm -hmm. I am a one on the Mm -hmm. Enneagram. Yeah, the perfectionist. Yeah, the the perfectionist and integrity is actually really, really important Mm -hmm. to Enneagram ones. And so ever since I recommitted my life, this has been a huge passion of mine to just help people with their own integrity Mm. and guys specifically dealing with guys struggles like lust and pornography and just general integrity as men. Yeah. Mm. I love that. Long story. That's kind of how it, that's really good. What what do you think makes it hard for men to even have these conversations? It sounds like, uh, you know, there's even some question like would guys do that? You know, what makes it hard for guys to have this conversation? Mm. It's so personal. Mm. Yeah. It's so much of a heart issue the the root of a lack of integrity goes so deep and i think a lot of guys either may not know how to talk about it mm-hmm. or have never been given a chance to talk about it and so they just kind of bury it yeah right push it sweep it under the rug and it's just one of those things that it's it's so difficult to talk about yeah and um so that's why i want to say you know while it may be difficult this is something that we have to talk about. Yeah. This is something that we have to get out into the open. And when you bring darkness into the light, it ha- it loses its power. Right. Shame and guilt lose their power right. altogether. And so that's I think that's probably why it's really difficult. Well, it's it's one of the things too that my uh, my wife and I have talked about watching some of your videos. Is uh, my wife in particular? She's like, wow. Colin is really open. Like it is, there, there is an element to that, though. It's like you don't you don't hear that kind of openness, particularly around the topic of lust and pornography, hardly at all. Like I was yeah. remembering even back to like my Promise Keepers days. I remember going as a kid, and there was kind of this altar call moment, and it was for men to come forward who had experienced mm. a real struggle with lust and pornography, and thousands of men, including wow. men that I had admired from our church, stepped forward. I remember thinking. Mm. I will never forget this moment. Like it was so interesting, powerful to me as a thirteen-year-old who was like steeped in like shame and like keep this secret and keep this. And one of the things that you've kind of modeled in your channel is not just calling other people to this mm. sort of blunt honesty, but like modeling it, you know, for everyone, and then mm. throwing it out on the internet. Like, <laughs> does that does that come naturally to you, or was that a, a struggle for you to overcome? Like, how honest do I want to be in this format? <laughs> it's that's a very interesting question. Um, for whatever reason, I never thought I would be doing something like this. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times that is a really good indicator that God has called you to do something is mm-hmm. when you don't feel qualified to do something. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I've I've heard this from multiple sources. God doesn't call the equipped. He equips those he calls. Yeah, and right, and right. so I never thought I would be doing something like this. But when I started, it just kind of became natural. And I hmm. think... I think it became easier. Um, I've been a, I was a small group leader for three years mm. for our young adult ministry, uh-huh. and there were some chances that I was able to open up there. And I think I'm just so passionate about it, mm. and I think it's it's a true calling that God has put on my life that it just gets easier and easier. The more you talk about it, the more you own your own 
mess ups and yeah, right. past mistakes and things like that, the easier it gets to talk about it. And I think that's the point where God can really start to use that to bless other people. Yeah, yeah. that's good, man. So. Absolutely. Uh, tell everybody where they can find the YouTube channel, obviously on YouTube, but how do they? <laughs> YouTube.com. We, we, want, we want people who are listening to go find it sure. and to go subscribe. So why don't you yeah. talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So you can, um, when you go to YouTube, you literally just type guys with grit into the search bar. I will... It'll be pretty much the first thing that comes up cool. there. Uh, you can also, oh, really? yeah, you can also nice. find me on Twitter at Guys with Grit. Um, I'm still kind of formulating my presence on Twitter mm. a little bit, um, but Guys with Grit is my main area of influence right now. And have you found that to be difficult to navigate? Sort of the, I mean, you weren't necessarily that active on social media Mm-mm. prior to this, right? No. So it's not like, ooh, here's my next sort of yeah. venture into. Yeah. So you're like, okay, I'm gonna my my, my first kind of step into social media interaction is going to be me talking about porn. <laughs> like, that's, yeah. that's quite a yeah. step, man. Like, has that been difficult to navigate? Like, all right, not really active now. This is sort of what you're becoming yeah. kind of known for. Yeah, YouTube is a monster of a platform <laughs> yes, to yes. learn. I mean, there's so much behind it. Just the the SEO behind it, search engine optimization, yeah. the keywords, the tags that you have to yes, use, right. the frequency in which you have to post i mean all that stuff like i had to learn that i had to quickly learn you know uh video production kind of a thing because i'm doing all this myself and uh tim gager actually hooked me up with some cheap video equipment to get started he's the man yeah so it was definitely a learning curve but um it's been an incredible experience and i'm just trying to learn and grow as I go. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, we're excited to have Colin Wilkins joining us here. Uh, he's going to stay with us for another another segment as we talk more about his YouTube channel, Guys with Grit, and just issues that men face and this topic of integrity. We're excited to do that next here on The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Welcome back to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. Thanks for joining us today. You can find us on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show. That's The Common Good Radio Show. On Twitter at Common Good Talk. Find our podcast wherever it is you get your podcast. Go ahead, subscribe, rate, and review. We're excited that Colin Wilkins is in studio with us still after uh, for a second segment. Colin, mm-hmm. in the first segment, uh, was talking about his YouTube channel, uh, Guys with Grit, that really tries to uh, unpack and challenge men in particular around this issue of integrity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the main issues you tackle is the issue of pornography. And, um, you know, it's kind of a hidden issue within yeah. the church. Mm-hmm. And uh, But there might be people out there going, is that really a problem? Mm. Is that really a deal? And uh, mm. you told us you've got some statistics uh, yeah. that kind of back that up. Why don't you share those with yeah, us? Yeah, absolutely. So I actually looked up some statistics this morning and um, from a pretty reputable source. But there's a couple of staggering ones I wanted to share with you guys. So every second, 28,258 users are watching pornography on the Internet. Holy cow. Every second. Wow. Every day, there are 68 million search-related queries related to pornography. And then the last one was, um, according to the National Coalition for the Protection of Children and Families, this was in 2010, but still... 47% of families in the United States reported that pornography is a problem in their home. Hmm. No 47%. Wow. So it clearly is an issue. I mean, that's just obvious, right? But Mm -hmm. 
it doesn't get talked about all that often. Like even when you were kicking around this idea a year ago, mm-hmm. you legitimately had done some homework. Like, okay, well, who else is doing stuff like this? I know there's Triple uh, X Church, and they make a lot of resources yeah. available, but mm-hmm. not a lot of people doing what you're what you're doing. And you know, it's not all pornography related. Right. You know, this idea of integrity, and right. we've talked about. Um, you know, we've had John Blumberg on the show. He wrote mm-hmm. the book Return on Integrity, which mm-hmm. is remarkable. Um, I'm curious, what's been maybe a favorite video of yours thus far, sort of being new at all mm-hmm. this? I imagine you probably have a favorite. Like, give us uh, some flavor of what some of these videos look like and, and why is one or two of them your favorite. Sure. I think my favorite, I actually have a three-video playlist called How to Overcome Lust. Hmm. And I really dive into um, the root behind it yeah. because I think I, I don't think that pornography itself is the sole problem. Hmm. I think that goes hmm. much deeper than that. I think that people who are addicted to this um, might have a, a, a root issue of either loneliness or hmm. lack of self, self-worth self or depression or an unhealthy view of women in general. So I kind of dive into what the root is hmm. in the first video. And then in the, the next two videos, I kind of talk about uh, daily habits that you can incorporate into your life to help you overcome it and help to stay as pure as possible. Mm-hmm. So I think that three-video playlist hmm. on my channel is definitely my favorite. Right yeah. On. yeah, and so there's a guy out there right now listening probably who does struggle with pornography. What is uh, the first step or two? Is it talk to your wife or is that too mm-hmm. overwhelming? Is it go find a uh, somebody you trust just to mm-hmm. share? Because uh, so much of the issue of pornography and all the integrity issues is getting it, like you said, from darkness to light. Maybe yeah. help, help a guy out there hmm. with a first step or two about how to do that. Yeah. So what I would say to them, first of all, is that you yourself are not the problem. Mm. You are not defective. Mm. You are not somehow messed up. God still loves you. There's still hope for redemption, forgiveness, mm. and there's still... Um, plenty of opportunity to overcome the battle. So I just want to make sure that people understand that they themselves are not the problem, but there may be behaviors that they have to change. Mm -hmm. Um, But I would say one of the first steps would even be just saying it audibly to yourself. Mm. Just admit to Mm. yourself that there's a problem. Because I think a lot of times when we bury stuff, we don't even want to say it out loud. Mm. And when you give verbal audible words to a problem Hmm. that's part of bringing darkness into light and when you give words to a problem that's the first step to healing and then i would say the second thing that i would do is just confess it to god Hmm. just go to god in prayer say you know i have this issue i don't know what to do but here's what it is you know just really pour out your heart to God. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing that I would say is definitely find somebody you trust mm-hmm. that you really trust and tell them. Yeah. And, you know, Paul specifically tells us that when we, we need to confess our sins to each other so that we may be healed. Right. So right. it's not just confessing to yourself. It's not just confessing to God, but also confessing to another person. Yeah. yeah. Which is, again... Uh, much easier said than done, right? And I think yes. a, lot, a lot of the shame mm-hmm. stuff you're talking about in the first segment is what keeps us sort of burying some of these behaviors because maybe at some level we believe, man, if so-and-so actually knew this about me, they'd cease to be my friend yeah. or my girlfriend's going to break up with me and my wife's going to leave me. And I think yeah. mm-hmm. that those are the scripts that we often tell ourselves. But I love what you were talking about when it comes to habits. 
and I've quoted John Orberg a couple of times who said, habits eat willpower for breakfast. Yes. Right? A lot of times we think I'm just going to will myself to be better in this area or show more integrity. The next time this temptation arises, he's like, no, no, no. Build in your life habits yes. to help you grow in that area. What, what are some other habits? Maybe for someone that's listening, they're like, I don't think I have a problem yet, but I don't want to ever get to that place. Do you mm. have some suggestions? Yeah. Go for it. Absolutely. So actually the part two of my How to Overcome Lust video, I talk about the daily habits. Yeah. So huh. what I what I go over is, number one, is start your day with Scripture. Hmm. That's the most important thing. you got to start your day off feeding yourself positivity, feed the Holy Spirit within you. Hmm. Um, so I would definitely recommend starting with Scripture. The second one is more of kind of a psychological thing where it's getting in touch with your stream of consciousness. Hmm. I did some research on this topic, and psychologists actually refer to it as your stream of consciousness. We hmm. all have thoughts constantly flowing through our mind, right? and a lot of times those are the things that we want to suppress. Yeah, And suppressing those thoughts is actually where a lot of the problems come in. Hmm. And so instead of suppressing them, think about your thoughts as they're kind of floating down a river and acknowledge them as you see them, but let them continue going by. Hmm. So really getting in touch with that. Number three is working on changing the way that you view other people. Hmm. I think an unhealthy view of women is a big issue that we need to get a hold of. And so work on changing that. Number four, take inventory of your daily routine and what you do when you're alone. Hmm. Think about what you're consuming. Think about what your intake is. What are you watching on TV? What websites are you going to? Yeah, right? you know, right. Stuff like that. So take inventory of that. And lastly, don't be afraid to positive talk to yourself. Hmm. I think there's so much negative self-talk that we do in our minds and our hearts because that's what shame brings on. Mm-hmm. Right, and right. when you learn how to speak to yourself positively, like, I am worthy. I'm worthy of forgiveness. I can overcome this. This doesn't have to own me. This doesn't have to destroy me. Yeah. Flip, you know, that's the kind of stuff that we need to be telling ourselves on a mm. daily basis to maintain health. That's really good, man. Any uh, nervousness on your part about being, like as a pastor sometimes, right? I feel this mm-hmm. burden of like practice what you preach or yeah, like right. people like now holding yourself up. Any, um, this is, I don't mean to sound sarcastic or being the oh. integrity guy. Yeah. Any, any, yeah, right. any like pressure you feel on that? What does that do to you internally? Uh I well, I already have a very overactive conscience, so, <laughs> so that's kind of my accountability in general is just my conscience. But yeah. it, it's a great question. I I think you know I do have to practice what I preach, mm-hmm. and there are daily habits that I talk about that I could definitely get better at. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm in no way a perfect person. I never will be, and I don't think the idea behind it is to become a perfect person. Right, but. Yeah, I I want to make sure that I do practice what I preach. Mm-hmm. And if people come to me for advice, I'm not setting a double standard. Yeah, right. And I'm, you know, I'm giving them the same advice that I would give them if they watch my videos. Yeah. So, like, in the minute we have left, that I know mm-hmm. you personally have known you. I've had the joy of knowing you for a few years now, actually. Yeah. And it's it really has been just a privilege just to see the Lord work in your heart and Thank to be you. able to marry the two of you. It's been awesome. Yeah. You guys are just some of our favorite people. I'm wondering... Uh, you know, in a 30 seconds or so, 
give some hope to someone who's driving in the car right now or they're listening to the podcast mm-hmm. and they're like, man, I, I feel like I'm in the pit of this right now and I don't see any way out. Would you just mm-hmm. speak some some hope to the guy or girl that's that's uh, feeling like they're just buried under it all? Yeah, that's a great point that it's not, this is not a gender specific right, issue. Right. You know, guys sure. deal with this and, and women deal with it as well. But I, what I would say to them is you are loved. There is a God out there who desperately desires a relationship with you and there's a lot of healing that can come from that there's a lot of forgiveness there's redemption there is hope in our savior jesus christ and you can overcome this addiction that you have Mm. you're not the problem there's just behaviors that need modification yeah and so i would say god loves you he's never shocked by things that we do Mm -hmm. he already knows Mm -hmm. and so I would just, my prayer for them would be that you are worthy, mm-hmm. there's hope, there's forgiveness, and there's redemption for mm-hmm. you. What a good word, man. What a good word. Well, Colin, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Uh, your wife set a, a high bar when she was here. I think you cleared it. I think you're right there with her. So. <laughs> she really did. Uh, that's true. Right there that's with true. her. So, uh, reminder, you can find Colin's YouTube channel, Guys with Grit ironically at youtube go to youtube and find guys with grit it sounds like it would be a uh, a time well spent for people out there Colin, thank you for joining us today thank you so much for Appreciate having it, me man. absolutely you're listening to the common good on am 1160 hope for your life here's some weird stuff we found on the internet here's some more weird stuff we found on the web well, that music can only mean one thing. It means we're at the end of our show. It's been a good Tuesday, but it's going to go off the rails right now. <laughs> this is where we read the stories that our executive producer, Keith Conrad, has found for us. Uh, the disclaimer is the same. We haven't read them, so we cannot be held responsible. And why is it just Keith today? Uh, John, not around. <laughs> John, sick. Yeah, and our prayers go out to John in his feverish state. This feels like a Ferris Bueller's Day Off what? thing. No, yeah, Keith well, has given me a yes sign on that I, one. Well, I, I, I for one, let my Cameron go. <laughs> you think he's at Wrigley right now? He's driving a Porsche around town. <laughs> oh, we'd like to affectionately call these interweb insanity. Why don't you go with the first one? Uh, I will. Nebraska burglary suspect slips on ice, breaks his leg while taking items from apartment. Authorities say a burglary suspect slipped and broke his leg while he and a woman were reportedly taking items from a Lincoln apartment. Lincoln police officers responded around 1 p.m. to who's robbing places at 1 p.m. on an icy day. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that part's less surprising. I'm just amazed at how many people are yeah. robbing people in broad daylight. Yep. Uh, an 18 year old woman told officers she saw two people she knew a man and a woman leaving her apartment with her belongings leaving in hand. Her apartment. Wow. The woman reported she saw the man on the ground holding her stolen TV and yelling he had broken his leg. The suspects then got in a truck and left before officers arrived. Hold on. He broke his leg, but then still got into the truck and got away. Is that what it says? Yeah. He was yelling, but then it says the suspects got in a truck and left before officers arrived. I literally just read that, didn't I? Yeah. I should pay attention to the words I'm saying. (laughs) Next one's out of Massachusetts. (laughs) Outlet challenge prompts safety warnings from fire investigators. At least it's not Tide Pods. Fire investigators in Massachusetts are hoping to help pull the plug. No pun intended. That's a pun very intended. Yeah on a new viral challenge that may be redefining the word stupid. It's called the outlet challenge. Participants insert the plug part of a phone charger cord only part of the way in and then try to produce a spark by touching a penny to the exposed So prongs. stupid. The challenge has been linked to scorchings of outlets in Holden and Plymouth where one student is facing criminal charges. Officials are also warning of the possibility of death 
by electrocution. Whoa. The other issue can be that you do damage to some electrical wiring, Plymouth Fire Chief Ed Bradley told the station, and a fire could be undetected and burning in the walls, endangering everyone that's in the building. I weep for the future. <laughs> See, if I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times, the Amish got it right. <laughs> Man, just let's work with fire. No need for electricity. Uh, Florida, thank the Lord. Man sets fire to apartment to keep warm. St. Petersburg man was arrested Tuesday morning for setting fire inside his apartment to stay warm. Mark Okrent, 66, was charged with arson in the first degree after he allegedly set fire to a stack of paperwork in his apartment building around 3 a.m. I'm going to assume alcohol was involved. According to the St. Petersburg Police Department, the flames were large enough to set up the smoke detectors, causing a response from the fire department. Residents were home during the incident. No one was injured. Oh, there'll be a hot in the old town tonight. <laughs> Do you see Keith is creating narrative here, right? The first one was an apartment. The second one was fire. Oh, the wow. third one was a fire in an apartment. What's the next one? I don't know where he can go How can we possibly this. go up from this? I don't know this. where he could go. Uh, Texas, police discover that American cheese slices produce great fingerprints. Oh, an obvious transition from fire. <laughs> Carrollton police in Texas are in search of the prankster who damaged a vehicle and covered it with American cheese slices thanks to the fingerprints found on the cheese. You learn something new every day, the police wrote on Facebook. Today we learned two things. Covering cars in cheese slices is apparently the new trend in criminal mischief. <laughs> cheese slices produce great fingerprints. That's so funny. The Carrollton Police Department said that technically putting cheese on another person's vehicle isn't a crime. Good to know. When these kids grow up and have to make payments on their own cars... Provolone, provolone of their own, they'll be grateful. Hold on, I gotta read that again. Yeah, try, try that, that again. <laughs> when these kids grow up and have to make payments on a car, provolone of their own, they'll be grateful. Replied Facebook user. No, it says be regretful. Be regretful. <laughs> they're going to they're going to swiss the days when their parents took care of it. All right, go ahead with the tale. Jeez, it's good. <laughs> That one got out of control. Golly, yeah. This police officer needs to stick to crime enforcement, man. That, is, man. that was tough. I still don't get the provolone joke in there. I'm trying to say a car it slowly of, of their own. Provolone. Oh, I guess it sounds Because like you that. actually said of their own after you read provolone, <laughs> even though it does not say it there at all. Your subconscious just filled in the blanks for you. All right, last but not least, California. A group of furries stopped a domestic violence assault and helped police make the arrest. The photo is uncomfortable. <laughs> Several members attending a furry convention in California. Are you familiar with furries? I am. Okay, we don't need to talk about it anymore no, then. Do not. Helped restrain a man who was assaulting his girlfriend until police arrested him, according to officials. Six people witnessed the assault at the annual Further Confusion, or FurCon. It's called Further Confusion. <laughs> now we found where John is. <laughs> oh, boy, I knew it. In San Jose, furries are enthusiasts who celebrate characters and stories Involving anthropomorphic animals or fictitious characters that have human traits. They said the man was assaulting a woman in a car. Robbie Ryans, 26, was working as a DJ for the convention when he and a friend went outside for a smoke break. Out of nowhere, Ryan said a blue car stopped in front of them. We heard a woman's screams coming from inside the car. Saw the passenger throwing uh, full fist at whoever was driving. We got up, ran toward the car. My friend pulled open the door, and we both held onto the attacker. The girl driver was yelling for him to get out as she was trying to fight us off. Well, there's something you don't see every day. <laughs> That is accurate. So when they saw the assault going on, were they furious? Oh, so you just had to you had to go there. I did. It's, it's better than any of the cheese ones they made, man. <laughs> it's been another good day. We hope you join us tomorrow from 4 to 6. For Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. You're listening to The Coming Good, 
AM 1160, hope for your life.